We stay together, we survive. What we've got here is failure to communicate. To communicate. Stick together. In the name of unit cohesion. Cohesion. You are listening to the Cohesion Podcast. Actionable tips from internal comms leaders on how to improve your company's employee experience. This episode features an interview with Kristen Hancock, Vice President of Community and Engagement at iCology. Kristen's passion for communications fueled her career at organizations like Ronald McDonald House and Children's Wish Foundation. Kristen has over a decade of experience connecting humans through meaningful messages. She also has a flair for astrology and offers birth chart readings for people and pets. In this episode, Amanda and Kristen discuss how ecology improves culture, how to make connections instead of network, and Kristen reads Amanda's birth chart. Before we dive into the interview, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Simpler, the modern intranet software that simplifies the employee experience. If you are looking to increase employee engagement, collaboration, and connectivity, Simpler is your answer. Learn more at simpler.com. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation between Kristen Hancock, Vice President of Community and Engagement at Ecology, and your host, Amanda Berry, Corporate Brand and Communications Manager at Simpler. Kristen, thanks for joining me. How are you today? I'm so great. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. I want to start off and understand more about your background. Can you walk me through your career journey and how you got to Indianapolis? Uh, that's that's a great long story, but I will keep it. I will keep it short for the purposes of podcasting. So I'm Canadian. I'm often the token Canadian on things like this. And I ended up in Indianapolis through marriage. I swore I'd never move for a boy and I immigrated for one, if you can believe it. But he was worth it. So I, uh, I had been trying to move to the U.S. for a job for many years. It was proving way more difficult than I thought. The internal comms industry in the United States is larger, a little more mature than, than that in Canada. Canada, and so there were more job opportunities, but I ended up moving for marriage, for love of all things. What a lovely story. And I've been here for about two and a half years now. I know you um, are vice president of community and engagement at Ecology. Can you talk about what Ecology is? Ecology started as a podcast, actually, and my partner, Chuck Go started it many years ago. I think it was back in 2014 or 2015, and it was, it was a side project of his. He wanted to bring some more voices to the forefront of internal comms and started by interviewing those people, getting stories from them and learning more about their roles and some of their best practices and, and how they enjoyed their, their work. And like many podcasts, as you well know, it, it takes a lot of effort and commitment to continue a podcast on a regular basis. And so after a couple of years, it went dormant for a while. And so when I immigrated into the US and we were talking about what kind of work I wanted to do down here, starting a business was a natural flow to that. And we spent a lot of time talking about what ecology might look like if we revived it recognizing that it would be much bigger than a podcast, much broader and more involved than a podcast. And so we started, this is, it's funny now, our original business plan was that it was going to be an internal comms event-based business. Now we, in, in many ways, the timing of it helped us because we had not launched 
before the pandemic hit. And so that hit first. And then we realized we needed to go back to the drawing board and figure out what Icology was going to be because in-person events was not going to be on the table for the foreseeable future. The silver lining of that is that it forced us to build the community first. So Icology now is a member-based community online largely, but in the coming months, I am crossing my fingers that we will be able to launch our first in-person events this fall in 2022. So maybe a year late, but right on time, we are expanding what we're offering. But like I said, it started with a community first, and that was absolutely a silver lining because now we've got this really great network and community of internal comms people who are learning from each other in the meantime. Yeah, absolutely. What do you do as the vice president of community engagement at Icology? Well, I have a lot of fun. So that, that's the first part of it. The fun the fun part about being self-employed is kind of doing whatever you want. I, so I picked the title of vice president community and engagement to reflect my two most important commitments to Icology. So developing the community and engaging members. So most of my days are planning content for our community, introducing people to each other. That's a much bigger part of my job than I anticipated when we first launched. There are so many times where we get people coming to me to say, hey, I'm looking for a new job, or I'm looking for a side project, or I'm looking to hire someone, I'm looking to hire a contractor or a consultant. So a lot of my work is connecting those people. And then I would say the other big parts of it really are listening to our members and what they want to talk about, what they want to learn about, who they want to meet, and then staying on top of industry trends. So a lot of that then is partnering with companies, with people like our friends at Simpler and finding out what's coming up, what's new, what's next in the world of technology and what's going to help us do our best job in our our roles in internal comms. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate the partnership. It's been really great. I want to move into our first segment, story time. You own an astrology reading business. I discovered this. This is very interesting. Will you talk about how you got started in astrology? I got into astrology as many people do because I was going through an incredibly challenging time in my life. And I was admittedly looking for something to help heal and validate what I was experiencing. So I was back, I believe, in 2015. I flew from Winnipeg, where I was living at the time, to Toronto for a reading. It was a five-hour reading. So that sparked all kinds of... I knew nothing going into it. I just knew that maybe this was something that could help me understand better what was happening in my life. And then from there, for the last two years, I've been studying astrology more formally. And now I get the pleasure of, of doing birth chart readings and helping people work through challenging things and learn a little bit more who they are through astrology. So it's a lot of fun. Well, while we're on the topic, would you want to do a reading for me today? Just a short one. <laughs> I, yes, I would love to. I would love to. I always tell people I could talk about this for an hour and a half, but I, I will I will summarize in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Amanda, you sent me your birth information ahead of time, your birth date, time and location. So most people know their sun sign. So when people say, oh, I'm an Aries or I'm a Cancer, that's, that's where the sun was, what the zodiac sign that the sun was when they were born. This is the popularized, the pop culture version of astrology, where you're sun is located is only one part of your 
existence. It's an important part, but it's only one part. So when we do astrology readings, we look at someone's entire birth chart and your birth chart is a snapshot of the sky at the moment you took your first breath. So many people do not know that we all contain every zodiac sign and every planet in our birth charts. So I laugh sometimes when people will make jokes about a certain zodiac sign and I always want to ask them, well, you know, you have that sign in your chart as well. <laughs> is, that, is that like saying like, you know, oh, I'm an Aries and I can't date a Taurus? Exactly, kind of exactly. It's very, yeah. okay. it's become very generalized on social media and pop culture and the study of astrology is so much more nuanced than that because humans are, of course, more nuanced than that. So one of the things when I looked at your birth chart, the the when I'm reading a birth chart, I'm looking for highlights, I'm looking for hooks. I'm looking for storylines. And one of the first things I noticed is that you have what's called a stellium in your first house. So a stellium is a concentration of three or more planets. I like to call it a planetary party. And this is located... So so what you have... Yes, of course. It's it's just a party all the time when you're Amanda. So you have your sun and Mercury and a calculated point that we call your ascendant all in Capricorn. So you likely knew that your son was in Capricorn. Most people know the zodiac sign the sun was in when they were born, but you probably did not know that you also have Mercury and your ascendant in there. The They are all located in the first house. I won't go into too much detail about that, but just know that the house system in astrology sets up the areas of life that those planets might be activated in. What this means is this is adding all kinds of extra emphasis on this particular sign of Capricorn and that area of life, which is quite literally the house of yourself. It's the house of you and your personality and who you are and how you greet the world. So your son being there, your son is your core identity, your ego wants to be individual, your ascendant, your or what we call sometimes your rising sign is how you greet the world. And Mercury is the planet of communication and learning and connections. So it is not surprising that you work in communications for a living, given that the planet of communications is very much defining this first house of who you are as a person. Wow, that's incredible. It's very interesting. And so Capricorn is a zodiac sign that strives for integrity. It's very important for Capricorn to have solitude and independence, to find practical supports. It's very tangible. It's an earth sign. It's very goal-oriented. So one of the things we see with this is that it would be very important for you to align your goals with your values. Capricorn is also a sign that can wait. It's the the king or queen or royalty of self-discipline and waiting for things. So I will leave you with that little snapshot. My cautionary tale or my tip for you is to be very aware of the fine line between needing solitude and putting yourself in a, in a situation that feels isolating. So there's a fine art to having those two pieces in your in your life. As you yep. probably know. <laughs> I do know that. Yes. <laughs> well, that's super cool. I'm I'm glad to know I chose the right career. Absolutely. How has this impacted the way you view internal communications? This is surprising and yet not. I I often see astrology and what I do with ecology in such different ways, but the reality is they're very interwoven. And the, the two biggest things I get from it, number one is that people are unique, people are nuanced, people are complex. 
in astrology, we are not just our sun signs. And in our work lives and our and our existence in our personal lives, we are so much more than just the face value of what we present to people. And overall, what everyone wants when we're working in internal comms, when we're working with employees, people want to be seen and heard and validated. And both the internal comms profession and astrology are dealing with those two, those, those concepts all the time. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for reading my You're very welcome. My chart. That's super awesome. <laughs> that's that's really cool. I, I feel as if this would be such a great tool to have when you go in to meet, like, let's say, leaders. As yes. <laughs> I've used it sometimes with teams. And it, yeah, it's a very interesting makeup of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Has it helped you then, like, connect with teams, connect with leaders, understand who they are? Yeah, and I think more importantly, it's helped teams connect with each other. So I've a couple of years ago, I did a reading for a newly formed team in a company. And we looked at, you know, different elements in people's charts and how their communication styles, Mercury, might relate to each other. It caused people to be very self-aware about their communication styles and own that, and then also learn about how to best communicate with their new teammates. So absolutely, it's it's helpful in that way. Okay. Yeah, I've done something similar with like personality charts, Absolutely. personality tests. And yep. It's just super cool because it does sort of open you to a different way of seeing people, the humans that are in front of you. It absolutely does. And then learning them, you know, like I said, how to communicate, how to work with people differently. Yep. yep. Well, I'm going to move us into our next segment called Getting Tactical. I'm trying to figure out tactics. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't have to worry about tactics too much. Here I am in charge and trying to say, why did you sleep through tactics? Tactics. So let's dive deeper into ecology. Uh, you mentioned you and Chuck had sort of said, let's redo it. Let's start it up again. Um, after it went on a little lull. What inspired you to start this? I think for both of us, and I'll speak for myself in particular, it really was about filling a need and filling a void. I was feeling very, kind of at a dead end, I guess, with professional connections with professional associations. I've been very involved in the industry in a number of different organizations and groups over the years. And I just found that they weren't working for me anymore. I wanted to have more fun. So that was a big part of it. And I wanted to include more people. It felt like even the associations and and events that I was a part of and helping to lead, it felt like it was the same voices over and over, myself included. I like to hear myself talk, but even I've got a limit on that. So it was really more about how can we bring new people into a networking community environment and how can we create community that feels enjoyable, that feels fun, that feels inclusive, and that's accessible for everyone in the industry. Many of the organizations and associations that I was a part of were were helpful and helped me get my career footing, but they became stagnant for me after a while. And so we we're like, how can we how can we start something that has staying power, but also is innovative and fun, and people want to be a part of it? That's really that's really how the idea got started and the inspiration. How does Icology help build community? It's funny we talked about the the launch of it during 2020. We're really starting from what I'm going to call a 2020 mindset, meaning everything we've done has been virtual or online first, and that's helped us because we haven't had to pivot, right? We're not we're not turning the ship around from a, an old school bureaucratic organization. We started with an agile, innovative concept. So it allowed us to be 
inclusive, to be welcoming, and to have that personal touch. We are not a huge community at this point. I think we're hovering, getting close to 150 members at this point. But that still allows me to reach out to every new member who joins. It allows me to to have a chat for 10 or 15 minutes, to make introductions to people and to really get to know people. And it allows the community to get to know each other as well. The a huge part that I love of my role is really listening to what members want to see and hear, and it allows us to be innovative. So there are all kinds of things that we've tried for the first time that we didn't necessarily anticipate rolling out in the first year or at all. Our mentorship program has been hugely successful, of course, thanks in part to Simpler and that partnership. And that was not something we was on our radar at all. It wasn't something we were planning to do. But a member of ours came up to us and said, hey, I've I've run a mentorship program. Would you be interested in doing an ecology version of that? And we ran with it. And we were like, let's try it. What's the worst that can happen, right? Let's, let's try it. Let's be innovative. And I think that innovative mindset helps people feel safe in the community and helps people be okay with trying new things and admitting failure and talking about successes without fear of judgment. If we have listeners out there who are looking for mentors, can you just talk about how this works, how your mentorship program works? Sure. Yeah. The program is free if you are an Ecology member. There's no, so it's only open to Ecology members, but it is free of charge included with your membership. We did an application process where we asked for people who wanted to be mentors and we asked for people who wanted to be mentees. The application was fairly extensive. We asked about career history, where you're looking to grow, if you know, and if you don't, that's okay, what your background is, what your strengths are, where you want to learn more. And we matched everyone up. So we really looked at every single application and went, okay, this person wants to grow in this area and this person has a strength in that area. So let's partner them up. I'm so proud of the the work that's been done on that program. I'm so proud to hear about the success that each partnership has come up with. The original plan was we were going to run it for six months. And and at the five or six month mark, everyone in the program said, can we keep going? So to me, that's a huge success. Again, not something we anticipated, but because we're a smaller group and more innovative, we're like, sure, let's keep running it. Let's run it for a year. So our plan is to run it again in the fall of 2020 and start taking applications in the next couple of months and and partner up again. So we might see, I'll be curious to see, we might have some mentees who now are growing into a mentor role, for example, which will be really fun to see because it's not just based on career seniority. You could be someone who's relatively new, but if you have experience in another area, you might be paired with someone who actually is more senior in their career, but maybe newer to the industry. So besides mentorship and a menteeship, I guess, what can I see professionals, what else can they gain from being a part of ecology? I tell everyone who signs up, one of our little taglines, I guess you could say, is that ecology is a journey you want to take with people you want to meet. I will also say it's people you want to hang out with and people who are fun. So it's really about new perspectives, all levels of seniority and experience. You get to be the student and the teacher, which I think is the coolest part of ecology. We do a program called Tools Day that we hold on Tuesdays, where sometimes we'll bring in outside vendors or people. And sometimes it's people within our community who have some really cool to share. So we've had members share, you know, how to use Canva or here's a productivity hack that I have. So it's just a really cool way for people to learn from from each other. And I think that's really the the big benefit of having a community like Ecology. 
What are some of the hiccups you've, you've found along the way? While you're, while oh, you're none. Every, everything's <laughs> just been perfect. perfect and smooth the whole time. Yeah, right. Exactly. Anyone who has started a business or an association or organization knows that that's all hiccups. I think our biggest hiccup truly at the beginning was 2020. And I think that was everyone's hiccup, if I'm being honest. So again, any, any hiccup really encourages you to look at the growth, look at the opportunity. A, f- a friend of mine calls them growth accelerating moments. So that's a that's a cool way of looking at it. I think the other, the hiccup really for me has been my maybe too high slash unrealistic expectations. And this is a theme throughout my life. So it's not surprising it showed up in Ecology. It's, I think I expected instant, explosive, massive growth. And I have to remind myself that what we're building has quality over quantity. And I, we all get that way, right? With social media, everything is based on likes and numbers and who's, how many people were on the Zoom call. And I have to remind myself that if we have five people on a network, on a member networking chat, but those five people leave with learning and insight and tangible things they can take back to their careers, then that's worth it. That's totally worth it. Do you want to give people like the web address to go through to check out Ecology? Sure. Yeah. So our website is joinecology.com. We're on, we're join Ecology on all social platforms. And if you, the, there's a link of course, to join through our external website. The internal website is members.joinecology.com. Well, let's move on to the next segment, seat at the table. First, get a seat at the table. Get a seat at the table. You want a seat at the table? I love that you're doing Ecology and I love this networking opportunity. I know, you know, you had have talked a few times about, you know, happening right before COVID and so everything's been virtual. I think there's so much value in that though, because a lot of times these in-person events can really keep people out. You know, you mentioned inclusion because either their job won't pay for them to travel to New York or Miami or wherever these events are happening sometimes. So that virtual oftentimes bring, brings in people who don't have the ability to do this otherwise because it's expensive, like go places and to conferences. So I love the networking aspect of this. You can even do it virtually, the mentorship program. I feel as if from the day I got into my inter- internal communications, I heard network, network, network. And so I felt like I was just hungrily sort of like, okay, okay, I'm going to network. But can you talk a little bit about maybe for our listeners who are hearing that you need to network, you need to meet people, why it's important to network? It's funny you say that because I, this, so, so seat at the table and, and this getting tactical, this is like Pete Capricorn. So I'm glad that we're, I'm glad that we're having this conversation. <laughs> I'm not surprised. So, so I would say that part of my challenge with networking is the word networking. I think we've... I don't know if we've overused it or we've used it in ways that's made it seem like the most dragging, boring necess- necessity of career. And it just, it sounds painful, doesn't it? To say, oh, we yeah, have and to it we have- like There was like, like a chaos, like you need to be networked. Yes. You need to meet people. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, how am I going to do this? Right, right. Okay, I'll and- network. Check the box. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Networking. I'm, I'm yeah. going to like the chamber of commerce meetings. I'm networking. <laughs> Look but at me networking. Came of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothing came of it early on because probably because I didn't understand it and how to do it. So I'm glad you're here to talk about it. Yeah, I, tr- I, so I do try and avoid the word networking when I can because really what we mean when we're saying networking is making connections, meeting people. And 
And that's, I think so many of us are doing that naturally. We just don't call it networking, right? I have calls with every new member and, and even members that have been with us for a long time to chat about what, what do you want to see? How are things going? Did you like this last event we've done? I don't call it networking, right? But that's what it is. And so it's really about making connections and offering support. I think this is extra important for internal comms and likely why everyone told you when you first joined the industry, you need to do this because so many people who work in employee comms and internal comms, corporate comms are often the only people in their organizations doing that function or they're doing both. They're doing internal and external. There's so many members of Ecology who are, who have joined Ecology because they don't have a network at work. They don't have a team to bounce ideas off of. And many of them don't even have a, a boss or a superior person with a background in internal comms who might be able to give guidance or insight. So we are all like searching for that those kinds of connections. And I think if we stop calling it networking and start talking about making connections, then that's a better way of looking at it. You know, for, for anyone who is maybe the only person in their organization, or we just had a, a member join who is actually in PR and marketing, but she's been tasked with growing an internal comms function within their company because of the growth they've seen. I'm so happy to see those folks join because, Miss Capricorn, you cannot go it alone, right? You can't. You 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 will want to. <laughs> I would disagree. <laughs> I know you would. I know you would. So, you, you know, you, you can try. We can all mm -hmm. try to do things on our own and feel like we can be independent. But it's at some point that becomes very isolating and you're going to do better work when you have a peer support group of people who can bounce ideas off of you and brainstorm with you and all of those things. So yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I really like about the community of internal communicators. No matter where you go, you can sit down and start having a conversation. You have the same problems. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> you're, you're trying similar things to solve them. So it's almost like we've all been educated in like these very similar ways. But then everyone's so willing to share. Well, here, try, here's some things that I tried. You may want to try. And then you can take those through your connections, not networking through your connections, <laughs> and try to implement that stuff, you know, at your, your, with your leaders, your, your organization. So it's such a great, it's such a great industry to be in because everyone is just so giving and helpful. It is. It absolutely is. And I think the other piece is that, you know, one of the benefits of, of a group like Ecology is you can share things from within your workplace that you couldn't share on a platform like LinkedIn, right? I, I love LinkedIn. They have, it's, a, it's a great platform for broad career things and making connections, all those kinds of things. It's You're not going to post your internal comms strategy on LinkedIn and say, hey, give me feedback on this, please, right? You can't do that. You can't post those things. In Ecology, you can do that. There's a privacy element there. And a, and a comfort level that everyone in that group is, is going through, as you said, the same challenges or similar ones, and they would love to help you know, share that information. It's also great from a career planning standpoint, because again, there might be times where you're looking for a job or a new side gig or whatever, and you can't necessarily post that on a more public facing social media site. What does that look like right now? We're, we're in COVID. I know we're kind of getting out of it, but I, I don't want to think about we're getting out of COVID, so we're going to go back to the way things were. Like I said, I think there's a, a bunch of people in internal comms who don't have the access. They may live in a rural area, a rural state that isn't near these big cities. So what does networking look like? I guess pre-COVID looks a little different than just how it's going to be. But would you talk about what it looks like or how it should look like going forward to be inclusive? This might be the Canadian in me, but I... I I think I see the 
good side of this part of COVID times, et cetera, is yes, our networking and our our meeting people experiences were very often in person before 2020. It's there are elements of that now that sucks because I would love to be in person with people and I would love to be able to hug people and, you know, have the parties and do the in-person conferences and all of that. And it's slowly coming back. But the benefit is that if accessibility is a challenge for you, for whatever reason, whether it's geographically, whether it's physically for you, the benefit now is you don't have to be physically in those same locations. So making, I also tell people, if you would consider yourself maybe a little more introverted or maybe a little shy, doing an email introduction is actually a little bit easier. It sort of helps break the ice as opposed to walking across the room to someone and sticking your hand out and saying, hi, I'm so-and-so. That that takes a lot of guts to do, even for someone who isn't shy or who is extroverted. So I think the email introduction can often be an easier way for people to do a little soft introduction. I'm happy to make introductions for people as well through email. And then you set up a 15-minute Zoom call to say hi. I think it's a little different in that Generally speaking, it's it's a good idea to have a more specific topic when you're calling someone like, hi, I would love to talk to you about how you got to where you are in your career. Or I would love to talk to you about how I get into the, the manufacturing industry of internal comms or, you know, whatever that might look like. But I think once you do that online, there's an element of it I think that's a little a little bit easier if you're nervous about networking and maybe a little bit shyer. Well, let's move into our last segment, asking for a friend. I was asking for a friend. Hey, asking for a friend. What's one piece of advice you would give a new IC professional who's just starting off in the industry? The advice I give everyone in any industry starting out from anywhere is to know yourself. And whatever way that happens for you is healthy and acceptable to me. So I just, I hope that people are self-aware of who they are when they go into a role because we carry with us, call it baggage, call it whatever you want. We carry with us experiences from our life, from our personal lives and our professional lives. And so knowing those pieces of yourself before you start a role is I think the most important part of it. So you can be self-aware when you have tendencies to respond in certain ways, for example. And then I think the other piece is connecting with your industry. Someone has been in your shoes before and someone will be in your shoes in the future. So getting to know the folks who are in your industry, getting to know the people in your organization and also outside your organization, I think is, is the other big part of being in this industry. And as you said, it's a hugely supportive industry, more so, I think, than other types of industries out there. Yeah. Getting to know yourself, that'd be a great opportunity to get a reading. Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fun. I feel like they're really starting to zero in on some stuff. <laughs> what do you think is some of the biggest challenges that I see professionals are going to face in the future? You know, I, this is a common question. I see it on LinkedIn. I especially see it at like year end times. Like, what does the next year look like? What are, what kinds of challenges are coming up? And every year I'm like, oh, the same challenges as last year. Great. I really don't think, and I don't say that to be negative. I really don't think our challenges are going to be any different. So I think the takeaway from that is for us to stop expecting them to disappear. 
Those The challenges that existed pre-2020 are the same challenges we have now. They were just exacerbated by what happened over the last two years. The underlying challenges and problems are the same, and they will likely continue to be the same. Budgets, no one is... I would love to meet someone in internal comms who's like, I have such a big budget, I don't know what to do with it. I have like, too much money. Right. Have you ever met <laughs> someone like I have that? too many staff. Right. I have not. Yeah. We have too many staff people on our internal comms team. It's never going to happen. Yeah. So we need to learn to work with that. We need to be creative. You know, talking about seat at the table or or having priority with your C-suite, that's always going to be a challenge. It's pretty rare. It's, I think it's getting better because more people with an internal comms background are moving into those senior leader roles, but you're always going to be fighting for airtime, right? You're competing with IT and finance and, you know, whatever, HR, all those different departments are, are, fighting for that time. So we have to get creative. Connecting remote employees, that's always going to be a challenge, right? 2020 exacerbated that, but it was a challenge before. So I I don't think the challenges are going to, to change. I think we have to get really creative with how we're approaching them. Yeah. I love how you point that out. I wrote a blog about remote employees and I said, well, this isn't new. Right. Kind of what you said. It's just been really put in the light. You know, I, I remember having remote employees seven, eight years ago. Where I have no deal. But I hate to say it this way, but it's just like, well, we're just going to have them dial in. Right. You know, on a on a on an actual just dial in call in line. They can't really see anything. Can't see the bar. And that that's okay because they're remote. Right. And now that everyone, not everyone, but like a lot of people have to go remote. Now it becomes like something we have to deal with because it was a it was more of a, a mass issue. Yeah. I wonder if the I, I suspect a lot of people who were remote before all of this changed or like, oh, I hate to say I told you so. Like, see, these are the challenges I was dealing with before, but people weren't listening to me. Yeah. I mean, I have a few friends who are, have been, you know, working remote yep. and they're just like, nothing changed in my world really. I mean, in terms of work, because this is how it's been. Right, right. And now you're all complaining right. about, you know, there's no, there's no culture. <laughs> exactly. And I can't make connections. <laughs> so yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because they've, they've already had to work through those and try to live with, within those, within those boundaries. So everyone's trying to get better at their job. What does that look like for you? I, for me, the the piece that I try and impart on other people in internal comms is to explore things and topics other than internal comms. So challenging yourself to learn a bit about business finance, learn a little bit about IT, graphic design, human resources, marketing, learning some of those other skill sets. I'm not saying go to school and get a degree in those things, but be open to learning the language so you can have conversations about them. Because I think there are a lot of, one of the, you know, the conference complaints I have is that these these large-scale events had become kind of internal comms echo chambers where we were hearing the same things from a lot of the same people. I will say I was a part of that for, for a while. And I think now it's like, can we have a session on like psychology or can we have a session on budgets for internal comms? Like I think people in this industry would hugely benefit from exploring learning opportunities that do not fall under the traditional communications banner. Yeah, I agree with that. I've often thought about myself getting like an MBA in mm. something, mm-hmm. not you know, not marketing or communications related, just so I can learn business. Yeah, stuff and a broader perspective. And, yes, because I find that to be so valuable. I'm in a room and I don't then I don't have to ask a million questions if I've got some foundational stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. This has been great. You go, yeah, I, I feel as if you're such a wealth of knowledge. Is there anything that you would like to discuss or cover that we haven't already talked about today? 
I mean, aside from the rest of your birth chart that we could talk about for two hours. I I would love to do that. (laughs) No, I think we've covered everything important that people might want to, people might want to know from a glance. All right. Kristen, we'll let people know where they can find you. I am Kristen Ann H on Twitter. I am Kristen Hancock on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with people and Icology is join Icology everywhere. Well, thank you for joining me today, Kristen. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler, the modern internet software that simplifies the employee experience. Learn more about how Simpler can help you build the future of your employee experience at simpler.com. That's S-I-N-P-P-L-R.com. To all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe, leave a review, and head over to www.simpler.com slash podcast for more information. Until next time, you're listening to The Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler. See you in the next episode.